Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another live episode of uh, Bored and Annoyed, episode 99, almost at 100 episodes. Can you believe it, Holm? Uh, no, I uh, I can't. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. So, yeah, so tonight we thought kind of a little bit of a special episode. Um, Holm brought up the idea of kind of just shooting the shit on movies. So, you know, shockingly, we haven't really done that exactly yet so um yeah i mean that's gonna be it now is there any any news to talk about at the beginning of the show i know we just recorded saturday so is there anything new since saturday the the only thing and i'm gonna cover up my drink for uh uh no no product placement oh boy Uh oh what do you got what do you got there i want to know it's just one of the big two you know the big uh, two okay well hey i'm sure uh, i'll uh I'll go ahead and show my. Oh boy, I guess placement. we're gonna. I guess we're doing it. I guess we're. Uh, oh, look wow. at that! See, we like Coca Cola on this show. So Coke, feel free to send us a check. You know, <laughs> it might as well. I but, have no preference. Soda but, is soda. <laughs> but yeah, what uh, what do you think for uh, news? What do we got? Anything new? Uh, so what we what we did have. I mean, do we want to do the uh, the theme song and the old uh, bangaroo? Yeah, you know? I suppose we do. I only have one ready, but let's go ahead and start the show. There you so, go. So, I'm home at the movies. Uh, second to last episode and i am jackson and i'm fucking up the show already clearly so ah, you know whatever and, and it I, is and what I, it is and i misplaced my vape so if i'm looking around like a crazed lunatic that's why i don't know where it is but um but yeah anyways news anything anything new uh the only thing i think we had was uh we had the trailer for dark oh yes we did we did season so, three so yes yeah, so w- that came out of nowhere uh i didn't see that coming it's one month away um almost exactly i think a month it came out yesterday i think it's june 26 so um i guess let's parlay that into a quick conversation um first off what did you think of the trailer um were you able to to get anything out of the trailer uh as far as what the hell was happening in it no (laughs) no me neither (laughs) Uh, so th- there was clearly an introduction of, you know, like, so we've seen, we've seen like the three Jonas, a uh, future, jo- oh, spoilers for all of dark. Uh, that is just needs to be said. Uh, so we've seen the three Jonas, uh, future, uh, well, I guess far future, somewhat far future, and then, uh, present quote unquote. Uh, so <sighs> So yeah, I, we we got introduced to what looked like a new set of like Trinity characters. I thought that was interesting because I don't know how you're introducing new characters at this point, but okay, carry well, on. Well, they went to a parallel right time. It seemed like our parallel universe at the end of season 2. So my thought might be, you know, is this I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I had some thoughts earlier, but the show is so like fluid and it could go so many different directions. It's like, how do you pin down an idea? You know? Well, the one thing they do mention right there in the uh, in the trailer is um, is basically they say, 
Uh, the only way to like fix this knot is to destroy it. I mean, that was the big line, I guess. And, and there seemed to be a theme of going backwards in the trailer. Yeah, there was a theme of going backwards. Um, I mean, we've been going backwards and forwards in time. So, I mean, it's very hard to, you know, and then that almost, there was the thought of like going backwards, but it almost contradicts like the whole notion of the show, which is like, there is no backwards because it's a loop. Yeah. So you're just on a different spot in the loop. Right. So is that the new wrinkle? Is that like the new thing? Or was that just an artistic thing of like showing time in the trailer? I guess it could be literal, could be not. It seems very purposeful to say, you know, tick, tock, tock, tick, or whatever the hell they did at the end, too. Um, So, yeah, you would think it has something uh, to do with the plot of the show. But I'm excited. It's the final season. Uh, kind of depressing. It feels like we just talked about the second season. Like, it does not seem like it was that long ago. Like, I remember feeling like I was waiting forever for season two. Um, and this one has been pretty quick. So, yeah, I mean, I, I gotta decide if I'm gonna go ahead and rewatch both of the first two seasons starting, like, tonight. Um, I feel like there probably is some value in that. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited and, and scared because once that show's gone, what's next, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I keep trying to be like, you know, I feel like the show is so smart that it has a message. It has an idea of what it's trying to say about time, fate, humanity, people, the nature of people. It's trying to say something. Right. And and my thought is, is like, we're halfway through the story. So it's like, can I decipher the real message of the show? I don't know if I can yet because it's, you know, every time you think that you're figuring it out, uh, it, it bitch slaps you with something amazing and makes you rethink everything. Well, is it going to end up being completely pointless because there's nothing they could do to change anything anyways is the question. And I I would gather that the answer is no, that there's going to be some sort of way to stop this miserable loop that everybody's in. But but Mm -hmm. thus far, the theme of the show seems to be you can't like change fate. You can't change anything. Um, everything that they do to try and prevent something from happening ends up causing that thing to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. So well, cause it's, it, it comes down to like human nature and human desire. Cause I think Jonah is a really good example of like, he can't let go of Marta, even though it's just like incredibly wrong and taboo and he knows this. Right. Uh, but he can't let go of it. And it's like, he does things that he knows he shouldn't. And even future Jonah is like, why did you kiss her? Like in the first season, he asks them that. And then like future Jonah knows that he had that conversation with himself. But he still is going to do the thing that he's trying to do because he thinks it's going to work at this point in his life. So it's kind of like it it, it does become very fatalistic. It does become very like best intentions still lead you to where you're going to be. Right. Well, it's like if he wouldn't have ever given the note to his dad or whatever it was, then, 
You know, he would yes. have hung himself or, or uh, Miss Tiedemann when she went to help her father or whatever. And he ends up dying because she went and, you know, tried to move him out or whatever the hell that was. Now, we do have a couple people in the chat. Um, luckily, this show is uh, is so hard to follow that I would think that Paul here, who says he knows nothing about Dark but heard, heard it's good. Hopefully, even hearing this, it won't spoil the show because by the time he watches it, he'll have no clue what we were fucking talking about. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about it, Paul. I would still watch it. Um, it's going to be spoiled to an extent. We haven't gone into 95% of the crazy shit that happens though. Even talking about the general show. So, well, and I I don't want to touch on more things that could be spoilers for these guys, but, um, uh, but we, we've got, uh, there, there's a there's a reason that there's like almost an incestuous nature to everything in in like the town and in the series, because um, everything folds in on itself. Everything's come becomes perverse and 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 wrong, um, even when you think it's right. And I think there might be a point, and they might be making the point with the parallel universe that the way to break a society or yourself outside of a loop is to go somewhere new and be with new people. But I don't know. I mean, that might just be way over overly simplistic for the show. I have no idea. I had myself muted there. Um, yeah. So that it's funny. Cause the show is uh, it's, it's complicated, but at the same time, like the themes seem fairly simple. You can't change the past. You can't, you can't, you know, change fate, whatever. Um, it's just, I have no clue where it's going to go. And I don't understand who these new characters could be, uh, because I would assume that the other parallel universe or whatever has the same people in it. Entirely possible. But I mean, it really depends on what level, I mean, like, you know, quantum, uh, quantum physics deals with the idea of literally, you know, potentially billions of, of, of places so there could potentially be somebody who was born in another world that does not exist in ours sure but we still like okay so you know spoilers but the the girl uh marta she She exists there she exists there right so i guess exactly yeah i guess we don't know but it seems i mean we'll we will find find out out. yes hopefully quickly (laughs) it's gonna be awesome i hope it's It's more than eight episodes i hope it's like 10 at least you know how, um, how many have the last ones been? The, I think I thought the, they were. I, the first one was ten. The second one was eight. Okay. So I feel like they were both uh, the perfect length. Well, that's just for it. each season. Yeah, we've talked about this before. These shows on on streaming services, how they have such a benefit in the ability to not be ordered to do ten specifically length, forty two minutes and whatever seconds long episodes. Uh, they need to tell the story. You know they're not going to put too much filler in, um, unless they're the Marvel shows, which for some reason they felt the need to do that. Um, but, but yeah, I oh, uh, thank God that that deal is over. Right. No more Marvel Netflix. Yeah. Thank do it, fucking God. is there a Disney plus? When is the Disney plus Marvel stuff starting? Do you know? I mean, it was before COVID. You know, that which shall not be named. Uh, right. I believe that uh, uh, I believe that uh, uh, what was it, Bucky and Falcon or Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, that was I think supposed to be hitting this fall. I believe 
maybe it was next spring. Okay. Um, so, but I know that a lot of those are, they're, they're airing more on the side of like, I think six episodes a season. Okay. They're, well, that's good. I mean, whatever. As long as they're not like staying to a stringent, you know. I mean, that's less than half of the Marvel Netflix shows. Yeah. God, those Marvel shows, especially like Punisher and Daredevil, those were the ones I would say are like the good ones. I thought Luke Cage was pretty good too at parts. Punisher season two is pretty fucking weak. So yeah, I didn't watch it. But but those shows would all be so much better if they were just like four or five episodes. Yeah. Well, they're full of they're full of like, oh, here's character drama. And it's like, well, really what it is is you had a budget and you needed to fill a time frame. And so you decided to just stick two characters in a room and hope that it was interesting enough. But the problem is, is that a lot of the characters weren't interesting enough to carry yeah, those scenes. Yeah, I, uh, I don't need to see so much uh, uh, character drama based around the Mighty Ducks kid guy. Uh, the, or, the yeah, Mighty, yeah, 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 Foggy Nelson care. or yeah. what, what was the other one? Was it Karen? Karen, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't need to see another scene of Karen crying over the fact that Matt's putting himself in danger. It's like, do you understand how well-tread this is in the superhero genre? Like, please, she for fuck's sake. Uh, she killed Kingpin's, like, right-hand man in the first season, and I don't think she did anything particularly interesting after that. I feel like that was, yeah. like, it. That was the end for her character as far as doing anything that made me give a rat's ass about her. But yeah, but yeah, here yeah. we are devolving into this conversation now. Now, uh, now dark though. Um, yeah, I mean, we're excited. Uh, this is the, the, I think probably the best TV series we would agree that's come out since we started this podcast. I think that's pretty clear. It's yeah, it's just uh, I, I've seen a lot of really good shows. It might be the best. Um, I think it's the one that, from a writing perspective, blows me away the most. Um, God, that's tough. Yeah, it's a I really mean, tough one. I don't know what the the other one. I mean, for me, I guess you haven't seen Ozark. That would be on there. I guess mm -hmm. uh, uh, Better Call Saul, but that started before we started the show, so I don't sure. I don't think. I mean, there anything. have been animes that I've liked, probably like as far as like a viewing experience, were sure. as, as much fun. Um, but I, I don't think that probably they were as well written. Like uh, what was that one that I was um, the Promised Neverland about the kids in the sure, uh, yeah. demon controlled uh, orphanage. Um, that one was fucking sick and yeah. it was really tightly told narratively. So that might be runner up. Well, for... well and it's funny too. Cause like, I love kingdom to death, but I don't think it's as good as dark. Yeah. But it's you know not what I mean? Good. Yeah. It's just not, it's not, so. it's not as good. It's not as tightly told. Uh, it's not as impressive. That's for sure. Yep, I would agree. I would agree. So yeah, I guess we can be done talking about dark. So that's our news. So, uh, conversation about movies. Um, I mean, I'll kind of let you run with this. Um, you know, how, how do you want to take this conversation? I mean, we talk about movies all the time. Um, but we are usually talking about something very specific, uh, a, a specific movie, genre, actor, whatever. So, uh, more of a general conversation, I guess. Where do, where would you like to start? So I, I've, um, and you'll be so happy with me. Uh, I have been watching, um, more of Joe Rogan. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I've been, I've been watching him more recently and there's something that he does on his podcast and I, you know, uh, we can debate about politics all, all, all the live long day, but there, there's a certain amount of sort of like a, just 
get somebody to come into the show and just have a conversation and see where it goes. You know what I mean? Like he does that with almost everybody. And yeah, sure. You, he'll deal with sort of their field of expertise. Um, but I, I find that to be good. So like something I was thinking for us is like, and, and they, they usually feel like they end up devolving into something, well, not devolving, but, uh, evolving, uh, something evolving. <laughs> yeah. It, into something usually <laughs> philosophical, usually something kind of interesting. Okay. Um, usually not always. Um, I think that there are some people he invites on his show who are just stupid and maybe they're just better for a fun conversation, you sure. know, light, but, uh, one of the things I was thinking is like, as we've done this show and as we've kind of gone along this journey is I don't know if we've ever really explained like one, I don't know if we ever explained like the movie that made us fall in love with movies. I don't know if we maybe talked about like the evolution of, or not maybe how we feel about like stories, like their purpose in society, what we look for in a story. Um, you know, we haven't really, gone into a whole lot of that we've done it a little bit here and there but i don't know i i guess for me like what did make you like what movie made you fall in love with movies well first off buckle in because this could be like a six hour long episode if we're if we're touching on all this stuff uh but no <laughs> i uh i mean it sounds so cliche but i went and saw the empire strikes back uh when the special editions came out um, and that's, that's like the first time I remember, I mean, I guess I could take that. I, I used to watch like the Freddy Krueger movies when I was a kid all the time. I feel like kids, kids with movies, they find something and they like, they want to watch it over and over and over again, but they don't yeah. really understand why, like, it's just a fun time to, you know, to, to watch the movie over and over and over again. Um, yeah. but yeah, Empire Strikes Back was like that moment where it was like, Oh my God, this is the, this is the, one of the greatest experiences I've ever had, um, mm -hmm. in my life. And I'm sitting here watching a, I mean, I guess at the time it was what, uh, 17 year old movie. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, I guess that was, that was probably it. Um, seeing that on the big screen and the power of it, even though it was so old would be it. And realizing that there was like instantly, it was like, I had a feeling I knew I loved this thing, but I didn't really understand why until maybe a year or two later, as I started to really like dig into what the themes of the movie are. So it like gave me something to unpack you know what I mean? I knew it wasn't just because there's lightsabers and shit. I mean, we've seen we've seen plenty of movies that have action and and explosions and all that stuff. But but yeah, there was something about it, and, and it does just make me sad for these people growing up with the new ones because so I don't I, see that. No, no, no. Uh, well, I, thematically they're much weaker, and narratively they're much weaker. But uh, so I guess maybe burying the lead a little bit there. You were 17 before you saw Star Wars? No, the movie was 17 years old. Oh, oh. Um, I had when seen did the special I had editions come out though. 97. Oh, okay. But okay. no, I had right. seen that's, them that's like fair. we had them recorded on like VHS or whatever, and I had watched them, you know, here and there, maybe like parts and whatever. Uh, but I wasn't like a big fan until I went and saw it. And then and then that was it. You know, and and little did I realize that, you know, uh, 15 years later, I'd want those movies 
uh, to be burned at the stake because I want the real ones back that that weren't ever shown to me in theaters that I haven't gotten to see in theaters because yeah, good old Georgie. Yeah, yeah I mean that that's one thing. Um, I mean, and not to turn it into a Star Wars discussion, but uh, I love the originals. My dad was a, a massive fan. He loved like sort of. I think he loved how big it was because for him it was very much like this sort of nerd vindication. He loved Star Trek. And then to see Star Wars blow up to be, you know, the biggest movie on the planet um, was this this massive sort of like science fiction is cool. And I told you all it was cool kind of feeling for him. So it's um, like you with the Marvel movies. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Very much so. Yeah, uh, we're we're always our father's sons, I guess. Um, but I uh, so that was that was the thing. But I, I love the original. And I'm, I'm, I, feel, I consider myself incredibly fortunate that I was able to see the original unedited non-special editions on V sure it's VHS and it's lower quality, but when you're 12, 13 years old, you don't really pick up on that. You just pick up on the story. No, agreed. Yeah. And we had those, we had those like on V like we taped them off HBO or something. We had them, you know, back when people used to tape stuff, uh, we had those now, nowadays, all the kids, I guess are lucky because this, this Harmy dude has gone out and basically put all this old footage back together, uh, to basically make them look as they did. But, but yeah, it is a shame, but it, it is a good point though. Like people like your dad, um, I mean, what a moment it must have been for, you know, not only kids of the time, but, but, you know, nerds, I guess, or not sure. nerds I necessarily, mean, but you know what I mean? Sure. Well, I mean, would you say like, like for me, like my dad loved Star Trek or Star Wars and he loved Indiana Jones. Okay. Like those were like the big ones. Yep. Like, do you think like, did your parents play a big part in it or did you find film kind of on your own? No, I, uh. I would say no, that they didn't, um, you know, that'd be that maybe my mom, but they, they weren't like fans. My dad, like liked Indiana Jones, but he was never like a huge fan. You know what I mean? Um, and I certainly was the big star Wars fan. I had an older brother in the house too, though. Uh, so that helped as far as getting me to, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, I, for me, it was funny because like my kids, my, or my kids, my parents always let me watch horror too. I, I didn't have any rules growing up as far as what I could watch. So as a kid, obviously I was just attractive because I could, you know, I would watch, you know, fucking horror movies, whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess in that way, maybe they opened me up to it because there were no... You know what I mean? There were no rules on entertainment. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I give them credit, I guess, maybe in, in that way. I don't know if I would have become as big of a, of a movie fan if I couldn't watch everything I wanted when I was a kid, you know? So it's a fair point. I don't so know. It's an argument against censorship. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, Paul, by the way, says uh, his uh, wife and I are bad parents too, Jackson. High five to them. <laughs> so no, you're not bad parents. I don't think, I mean, Make sure your kid I, I think doesn't the seem argument like a can fucking be made lunatic. Both ways, I really do. Yeah. Um, I was the oldest in my family, and so I had to deal with actually the opposite, which was I had uh, a brother who was ten years younger than me. Okay. So when South Park comes out and everybody is wanting to watch South Park, there is you can't watch that. In fact, it was such a thing. We she didn't want me to watch The Simpsons in front of my brother ah. for fear of him acting like Bart Simpson. Got it. So there was very much. And, and, you know, like parents, they do the best they can. 
You sure. know, that's the thing is like everybody gives shit to their parents, but they were doing what they thought was right at the time. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think so. that I think there's probably far. I mean, not probably there's far more important things to be on the lookout for, I guess. As sure, a parent. Sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Clearly. Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's that's another conversation that's that's interesting about censorship and where movies are going. And it's funny, like, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to recently about Jaws. Like, you know, and I don't think PG-13 was a rating yet, but Jaws being PG and you go back and you look at movies like that. And it's like, God, what a weird time. And and it seems like now it, it, now it seems like it's more violent and crazy out there than ever. Statistically, maybe not, but we see a hell of a lot more of it. You know what I mean? So we, we see a lot more of it. We're a little bit more desensitized to it. Um, that's a that's a tough one. I, I don't know how exactly I fall down on on that one. Um, I, I what I would say is that it feels like as far as like children's movies going to the movies, I feel like there's actually less options for parents nowadays than there was probably like you think of the nineties and like how often like a Disney movie came out and like how, I mean, maybe it's because they were such big classics and that's why they stick in my mind. Um, but it feels like there were a lot of kids movies all the time. And I feel, I distinctly remember like last summer being like, is there something that's not complete garbage that a parent's going to have to take their kid to? Like in the next three months, I I don't know, man. I uh, it's funny you bringing this up because I I just for our show uh, downright annoyed this weekend. The person who won the wheel picked Surf Ninjas. So yes, so I dude yes, it's horrible. <laughs> who picked it? Who picked it? Uh, Cookie from Just a Little Podcast picked Cookie, it. Cookie, I love you. I love you. I, I don't. Nobody else on the show does either. <laughs> No, we do. We do. Uh, love what's his name? Rob, Sh- Rob Schneider. Horrible. In that. Oh. My favorite Rob Schneider performance ever. It's the worst. Dude. Ever. Le- Leslie Fucking Nielsen ever. is the villain. It's. Oh my God. It's so silly. It's so great. Well, what's funny it's is I like, movie. I, you know, we're it's in a, a tangent here movie. about, oh yeah, it's terrible, but um, we're on a tangent here. Terrible. Well, the main character who was the pizza guy, we've talked about him before. I forget his name. Reyes, something Reyes Jr. or, or something. Yeah, the, er, Ernie, Ernie Reyes Jr. Yeah, he actually has some charisma. Like, I feel like He's, he should have been bigger than he ended up I, being. Yeah, I really, I don't, I don't know what exactly happened to him, but yeah, you think of him in Ninja Turtles too. He's incredibly likable and affable in that. And then he really does carry this movie. He's he's a likable, fun guy. He's he's stupid. He's it's very much. I think the reason that I like it is because I was able to absorb it as a product of its time, because it was very much Ninja Turtles time. It was very much what's up, bro? Hang ten. You know, Three Ninjas was the Three Ninjas that time. Encino Man. Like yep. it was very in that era. And it's got to be the worst one though of all those. I mean, I, look. Watch Surf Ninjas and then watch like three ninjas okay. and tell me which one's worse. I, I yeah, that's true. You could be right. I don't want to ruin my thoughts on Rocky, Tum Tum, and Colt though. Oh, you know God. what I mean? It's there. There's. It's so. It's so much worse. It's it's so much worse. I can't imagine. Well, it was funny watching it because I'm just like, God, you're right. This is a product of his time. I, like, I didn't really understand. There's a there's a kid in this, the, the little brother. His thing is that he has like a power basically where um, yes. he has his game gear. And like he's playing out the scenes of the movie on the Game Gear. Like the the yeah. main character doesn't earn any of his like 
power like all of a sudden he can just fight because his brother can control someone on a gang gear i was so it's like so amazing and then from that point on he can just fight yes he can just fight it's so that's right yes he's it's he, so it's so amazing i love i love leslie nielsen's like bit about like leave a message after the beep and don't hang up that might have been my favorite gag of the movie Actually, I loved that bit. Yeah, that was um, not bad. That was kind of funny. He because you because it's a product of its time too. Because you're like, oh yeah, that moment where you're running to get the phone and the answering machine get you know you race you get you're out of breath you get the phone you know that's yep. gone that's gone yep. no one will ever deal with that ever again in the rest for the rest of time you know what I mean as soon as that machine yeah, yeah. gets it they're gone so. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I like I liked that. I liked I like a lot of things in that movie, but it's it's very much it's not look, it's we kind of talk about like real movies and then like yes. you know, joke movies. Right. It's 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 a joke movie for, you know, 13 and 14 year old kids who like ninjas and they like surfing. I'm gonna say like five year old kids. I think it's younger. It's a younger. It might be a little younger. It might be. I, I think I saw it right around like 10 or 12, something like that. I don't remember when it first came out, but I found incredible enjoyment in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I still do because it's silly and stupid, you know? Perfect. Well, I'm glad I got to bring it up this evening. Uh, I, I, I secretly, that's like a, that's, I don't even, I don't think it's a good movie, but I think that the humor in it, some of, it is, some of the humor actually works. Oh, um, it's, it's stupid. It's oh. very much, it's like a lesser like airplane, you know, like it's sort of, it's trying to hit the, that wavelength. It's just not as good. You, you know, you know, I mean, you just talked about a kid using a Sega to control people. Yeah. But airplanes like smart airplanes, like witty and it has clever gags in it. This I mean, is yeah, just, but there's also that, this bit is just, like, and don't call me Shirley. I mean, like that's not necessarily sure, clever. It's sure. Just but there's silly and kind but of the stupid. movie, but the movie is like chock full of like intelligent, yeah. goofy gags. I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree one... <laughs> that airplane is a smart movie. I'm saying it's going for that silly sort of yes. lowbrow sure. sort of stuff. It's like the, it's like know? the lowbrow humor for, for six year olds this one sure is. you know I what mean, i mean yeah. uh now, i would say 12 year old i was sure. I, I mean the gag with what's his name schneider uh basically he keeps think he keeps saying that he is the prince and it's like dude this joke is not funny it's he being keeps, hammered well the reason the ground. Is that he says he says what if i was a prince right and then all of a sudden a guy shows up that says his friend is a prince yeah well and then like he keeps saying what if and then things keep happening when he says what if and uh i personally i mean describing the joke it sounds oh, it's so bad it's so bad but, uh, it's yes. enjoyable i or, i don't know anyways i haven't seen that movie in like probably close to 10 years at this point all right well don't i would recommend not doing it <laughs> but yeah what's next what else oh yeah your your movie what was what was your thing that got you into uh i th i think the the movie um and it's probably because of a number of factors but the movie my my first real actual date was uh spider-man one sam raimi uh so that um but also that movie just blew me away at the time because, uh, look, I had seen Batman, um, and 
even at that age, I was kind of like, I liked the animated series more than I liked the Tim Burton movies. It felt more like Batman to me. Sure. Um, so I was not in love with the Tim Burton movies. Uh, but that movie came out and I was like, this is Spider-Man. Now there were changes cause I was, I was a nerd and I knew, you know, about like Gwen Stacy being the first girlfriend. And so like, you know, I was like, ah, well, Gwen Stacy was first, but whatever. He ends up with Mary Jane. They're streamlining it. Even at was 16 or whatever the fuck I was at the time. Like I understood that, but I think part of it, why it helped me so much is that, yes, it's like that movie that captures your imagination. Uh, but the romance is there, the actions there, the acting is there. And then you get into sort of like, you know, we're talking about themes and because I understood the basic story of Spider-Man before I even went into the movie, it actually allowed me to be able to dissect that movie in retrospect much more easily and much more readily. I didn't have to do as much digging as say somebody who watched star Wars for the first time sure. and sort of like over, you know, so like that was one where I was like, wow, you can really do something that's kind of for everyone, but is also has a, a nice message. Um, and, and also is one of those like vindication moments, like fuck. Yeah. We can have comic book characters wearing their costumes. And, uh, it was something I probably thought I was never going to see. Uh, it was also probably like the first movie that I was other than like Ninja Turtles when I was like five or 10 or whatever that was, um, that I was really, really excited for before I went to go see it. Sure. Um, and then I would say right after that, uh, I mean, there were a lot of things, but I think Spider-Man, if I was to pick one movie, cause I think there are probably a couple movies that sort of lead you down a path of like, if you just saw one movie, right. That was great. And then you never saw another great movie again. You probably would fall out of love with the medium. You're right. You're right. It's totally true. Well, in Spider-Man, the first two, you could say were just those two alone are great. So yes, I, yes. You know. and, 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 uh, I, you know, like the Lord of the Rings came out around the same time and that fueled me even more. Once again, very similar thing. I had already read the books. So when I saw the movie, it was like, wow, uh, they can do something so incredibly powerful, uh, in, in, you know, a little under three hours or whatever it was. I got a question for you, um, out of, cause I think there's three movies that you can, you can like mo- give, give partial credit to the fact that superhero movies became what they are. Uh, I would argue that they are Richard Donner's Superman, Tim Burton's Batman. And I think the third would probably be Spider-Man. Is that crazy to say that? Uh, No, no, I don't. I mean, it really depends on where you want to put your starting point because some people name X-Men as the first one that did it. Some people say it was actually Blade, but then, you know, you get into the argument of people didn't even know it was a comic book movie. Yeah. Um, But then but then you actually talk about how much bigger Spider-Man was in popularity than X-Men was. So then, you know, it's like which one really started it? Well, right. So I'm just thinking of the three because those three were all massive hits. You know what I mean? So so all three of those were massive hits. And it's almost like like Superman was like, oh, wow, you can do this. Like, you can make people believe a man can fly. Okay, that opens up this door, right? And then Batman was like, okay, you can do, like, a dark, gritty thing and make it more adult. Um, And then Superman kind of took... Spider-Man. Or Spider-Man, sorry. Spider-Man kind of took everything. I I feel like Spider-Man was probably, like, the first modern version of what we have today for superhero movies. Right. I I would say, and I, I don't know... 
I think I think both of them age pretty well, other than Willem Dafoe's uh, a Green Goblin costume. It's it's the glaring sort of mistake in the first one. Uh, you know, Power Ranger costume analogies were were everywhere in comparisons, but uh, but yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that sort of like those are like the big three. Uh, I you know if like we want to extend it to like there's a big five. I mean clearly. <laughs> oh God! Pinky's Out podcast throws out He-Man Masters of the Universe. What a, what a giant pile of shit! You know that what is. though, Pinky, if you win the wheel on uh, Downright Annoyed, pick that movie because I would love an excuse to just watch that again. But but I, I, I say, digress. It is it, the whole movie is pretty much pure garbage except for the very end when you get to have what's his place his face as Skeletor finally have like a scene with he-man finally kind of give him some shit yeah sure he turns into gold just super say, saiyan we've skeletor, talked about but... this on the show multiple times he turns into like a gold he's got the coolest fucking costume ever he's all badass sitting in that chair he's the only good thing about that stupid movie um and then yeah he turns but they do have like yeah, there are some neat all the stuff at at, uh, at Castle Grayskulls, I guess it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's it's dog shit. That movie is utter dog shit. Um, <laughs> right, but there is a bit. I, God, why can't I remember his name? But the guy who plays Skeletor, he has this amazing bit where when he's like, he's getting the power of the universe. And he's like, oh, the energy. And he like does this thing with his face. And like that 80s lightning is coming out, touching his face. And it's like. This is so deliciously campy. It's actually kind of awesome. Frank Langella, who's like an yes, awesome, was... classically trained actor who's like great Perfect. in everything. Right. Yeah. You know, um, classically trained English actor. Yes. Just like, like, just Robert, like England. Robert England. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even remember where we were at. So, yeah, we were talking about your, your movies. Spider-Man for you, you think was like the one that broke the door down. Um, you know, what what gave you the the like analytical look of movies like why you know because i know both of us um kind of get shit sometimes when we either really love or really hate a specific movie that maybe most of the people don't agree with you know like i i think it goes back to because i really think a lot of my origins i i think i was a comic fan before i was a movie fan and and comic book movies were the inroad for me becoming a fan of film in general, because I think the things that made me analytical and allowed me to see mistakes were when I knew what a story was previously, like Spider-Man three, well, Spider-Man three, yes and no. Um, but like X-Men three, I think was kind of the big one where I was like, I know a lot of the inspirations for this story and how they fucked it up allowed me to really look at sort of film and film structure and sort of look at like, what happens when you don't have a cohesive theme or when you have too many characters or when like you have people act out of character, um, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's not like the source material. And, and that's not, that's not a steadfast rule. It doesn't always have to be that way, but it's the idea of like, if the story works on its own, if you can streamline that story, don't try to jam in other things just because you want to sell more toys. And that was, I think X-Men 3 might have been the one where I was like, that movie blows and let me tell you every fucking reason why. Well, you know what's funny is that's a movie where as soon as it starts, it's a great example. Because as soon as X-Men 3 started, it felt wrong. Like from the moment it started, it all felt wrong. Uh, and, and you notice that with movies. 
Um, you know, I would all, I would say that about rise of Skywalker too. Like the second it started, it just felt wrong. Um, it, felt, it felt weird. It yes, felt it weird. felt weird. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and the second he throws the lightsaber, you're like, this is this is odd. The whole thing and was f- bizarre. The, the, you could feel it in the audience. We got to see that one opening night together, too. You could feel it in the audience. Yep, you could, totally. And, and it's funny, it's because, like, you know, I feel like a, a lot of people who don't watch as many movies as we do, um, they might hate it or they might think they like it at first and then when they sit with it longer because because that's one thing i noticed too is um i feel like get being analytical about movies really comes from watching so many of them it's terrible how many goddamn movies i've watched uh and and there's movies that i've revisited that i realize like i actually like i would have told people i liked them at the time but there was always something wrong with them if that makes sense, uh, and being able to point that out. I mean, there's things that we talk about all the time that like movies just do like all of them do it and it's annoying. You can see shit coming. Uh, so it's really nice when you run into one that like, like, you know, goes down a different path. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I would say too, like for me, like that was sort of the negative one that sort of like allowed me to see sort of like, that's probably when I started becoming really critical of movies. Um, but I think the one that sort of made me really then start appreciating or, and it wasn't one movie, but it's probably Christopher Nolan, um, between like Memento and the prestige and the dark Knight and Batman begins like these, these massive, amazingly well-told movies through him, I was able to sort of see really kind of like what you could really do with film. And then that brought me to, uh, uh, Oh God, the guy who directed drive and, and drive becoming like one of like the biggest movies for me. What was it? Nicholas Ren for Nicholas, Nicholas winding Refn. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I almost had it. No, I think you're right there. Well, yeah. And I was just thinking about, um, uh, I, it always gets brought up with a buddy of mine. We went and saw, um, Miami Vice, Michael Mann's Miami Vice starring, uh, Colin Farrell. And I got, mm. we got out of the movie and I looked over and I'm like, dude, that was, that was a three hour long music video. And I think that was like my first, my first, like, like I'm pissed that I didn't have that written down at the, cause it did. It felt the movie was produced like a fucking music video. It's awful. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's trash. So I know I saw it at the time. I do not remember like literally anything from it uh, who else is in it miami Vice. i think sam it's, jackson's in it somebody yeah so it's either uh it's i want to say it might be jamie jamie fox uh yeah so excuse my typing on the keyboard or was it jamie fox am i thinking of swat not uh, miami vice <laughs> yeah well no it I was think jamie I'm thinking fox. Of swat swat had sam jackson yes SWAT and that had also had colin, colin farrell. farrell i think yeah. or, i don't know yeah. I saw them on uh, Amazon recently. God, that and is I'm like, yeah, that's terrible. Those are movies of their time too. And it's so funny because when you're in your time, like the current time, you don't feel that so much. It's like 10 years later that you realize uh, what's happening. So I guess Transformers, a lo- Transformers was fit right in with that, which is maybe why that franchise fell down. Sure. Yeah. Cause it never changed. It was always exactly. the same. Yeah. I, uh, well, and it's like now, now it's almost like movies of today are like superhero movies and eighties throwback movies. 
Um, that's almost how it feels like buddy cop movies. I feel like are making a comeback. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Horror is horror is making one of the biggest comebacks. I think I've seen any genre make because we are getting so many serious, genuine attempts at good horror. Yes. And we're still also getting the $3 million Blumhouse specials that make 10 million and it's, it's a success, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's been, that's been an interesting thing too. It almost is the era of of the, I guess, you know, I hate this A24 horror, even though they're not all A24, but I feel like they're just kind of, they've kind of owned that badge. Which, by the way, I'm really pissed uh, we haven't gotten to see, uh, 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 what is it, reindeer? Antlers. 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 I'm pissed. Yeah. I want to see yeah. that. But, but yeah. I, I got to say, the first trailer got me really excited for that one. And then the second trailer came out, and it was a little more formulaic. I sort of, they gave out more of the story beats and I was like, oh man, you're ruining this. I should be seeing this in the movie. Yeah. You, you, I hate that. I hate that so much, but, but yeah, I don't know. It that's... might disappoint me if I was watching it in the movie because I'd know it'd be formulaic, but at least be smart enough in your advertising to know that it's so formulaic. You're going to push people away. Yeah, that's, you know, that's interesting, too. How do you toe that line between, you know, it, it's possible that they're trying to make it look formulaic so that it appeals to a mass audience because sure. there are, you know, I mean, it, it's worked for stuff like Hereditary. I mean, half the audience fucking hated it, but they went and saw it and it was a big success yeah. because it looked like a, you know, like jump scare filled horror movie. You know what I mean? So, so that's got, that's gotta be the most odd marketing like gamble to make i guess it's a tough one it's a tough one because i remember i remember i was watching a interview with tom uh cruise about rain man and they were talking about like how are we supposed to sell this nobody knows what a rain man is and he's like it's a really good it's a really good movie and they're like yeah how am i supposed to put that on a poster it's a really good movie. The movie like, you know, like, and like, that's, I, I empathize with those guys. Cause that's a tough job to have. It is like, don't ruin the movie, but make it appeal to people. Um, and don't make it look like it's something that it's not because then people are going to be pissed that they were sold on something they didn't get. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that those, I think the indie movies, horror or whatever genre it is, it gets really tough. Cause a lot of them are slow burns. Um, they're not for, you know, mass audiences, whether they be eighth grade or, or, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, the, the horror ones, hereditary midsummer, whatever. Um, I feel like, you know, uh, one guy who's kind of like perfectly, uh, walked that line. Although I suppose the get out trailer was uh, to me, it it gave a little bit too much away was, is, uh, Jordan Peele because he's kind Mm -hmm. of, he, he, he hits that unique feeling indie, feel uh and Mm -hmm. he's got the he's got like the the kind of tropey horror stuff right um yep and it mass appeal i would say uh so i think that he's kind of killing it but he he knows how to um 
And Ari Aster is, is vastly different because Ari Aster is the indie kid. Yes. He is that. 100%. But but Jordan Peele, is, he understands sort of like narrative efficiency in a way where he's his movies are actually pretty narratively efficient. They don't waste a ton of time. There's really not scenes that go on for too long or are extre- strenuous that don't have any reason to exist in the plot, you know? Right. Well, and it's funny you bring that up because I think on an episode I talked about there was in, in a fan or a uh, Fangoria magazine, they had an interview with those two interviewing each other or Jordan Peele was interviewing Ari Aster and those guys like super tons of respect for each other, love each other's work, whatever. But like Jordan Peele was like the, yeah, cut it. I want to get rid of it. Cut it, cut it, cut it. And Ari Aster's like, I don't want to cut anything. You know what I mean? I feel like you can see that in both of their movies. 100%. Yes. 100%. And I, you know, and you know, at, I don't think that I don't think either is really a bad idea because it really depends on what you're going for. Right. Um, I did want to get into I mean, we've been having this discussion for a little while. I did want to think uh, or at least have like a discussion on the idea of like what is like we talk about film, but film is essentially just a new form, a new medium for stories and stories uh, and, and whatever. What do you think? Like, how do you feel about stories? Like, do you think they have like a central purpose in society? Like, what do you look for? What are, I guess, what would I, I would ask, what do you think are like the basic requirements for a good, well-told story? Well, I'm a big uh, hero's journey guy, obviously. Sure. So, so to me, I do think they're important. Um, I think that any religious person who's like truly believes you know, in Christianity or whatever their religion is, uh, who does not think that they're important is completely missing the point of the religion that they follow. That's my opinion. I I don't know. I mean, what purpose do we have as a society without story? I mean, can you imagine a world without stories? Uh, pretty much every moral we learn in our lives, um, or, or I, I guess we instinctively know right from wrong to an extent, right? Unless we have like a, unless we have some sort of, uh, um, you know, some sort of a a switch flipped in our brain or whatever, um, which I guess happens. But, but I would say that, um, most of the things you've learned in life about right and wrong and, and, you know, morality have all come from a story or there's some sort of a, whether it be a little old wives tale or, or, uh, you know, a, a fable of some sort. So I think they're important for that reason. Um, right. And when you don't, yeah, feel I mean, that, I've been, I've been, know, when you don't I've feel that in a movie, it. it stinks, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing is like stories, they, they go back to, you know, cavemen, you know, like the idea of telling a story to convey a message of danger or survival or even just morality. Yeah. That's like, it's existed basically since the dawn of our species, or at least since we were able to really truly have sort of semi-complex, uh, uh, communication. Right. But now it's kind of like, you know, we were kind of talking about like what what's the like the point of a movie what's the point of like a story and um and i'm not trying to um like say that this was your only point but there was there was something where like well your your point is to entertain you're supposed to entertain like it's true and 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 it is true it is it is true i was kind of wondering like do you think that entertaining in a story is maybe 
Do you think it's superseded by the need for a message? Because that's the maybe the purpose of a story is to convey a message to have a meaning. Or is entertainment like is entertainment the vehicle for your message or is entertainment an equal partner in the meaning of a story? Oh, God, that's that kind of sucks because you kind of just like tripped me up on my whole point because I do like movies that have no met like, you know what I mean? Sometimes I just, you know, right hate to be the guy who's saying the Oh, just chew your popcorn, turn your brain off, uh, you know, um, sure. but oh, I guess it depends. I, I mean, I'm always going the best, the best entertainment also makes you think or feel or something, right? Sure. Um, sure. So there, uh, there is empty calorie entertainment, and I guess there's value to that. But I don't think either one of us became fans of movies for that, right? right. I mean, or as big of fans as we are, you know what sure, I mean? Sure. Like there's, uh, like I love like a lot of kung fu movies. Like I find them to be incredibly fun. Sure. Uh, and I know that you guys recently uh, talked about uh, Ip Man. Oh, man. It's uh, awesome, by the way. I, I, yeah. It's oh, a really great movie. Yes. It's a really great movie. Yes. And it, it's kind of one of those ones that actually toes the line of like that not all kung fu movies have, which is there's like a heart to it. There's a meaning to it. There's a message to it. Um, sometimes like sometimes you watch like those old Bruce Lee ones and they're, they're, they're fun. They're they're They are that popcorn entertainment that you're talking about. It's fun to watch a guy kick a bunch of dudes asses. Uh, but that's all there is to it. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I did enjoy that growing up, but it's like, it's hard for me to sort of sit through that kind of entertainment now. Um, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I mean, Hobbs and Shaw, that's, that's complete empty calories. Well, and then we, and then we even get into the idea like Hobbs and Shaw wanted to have a message and a meaning and, you know, it's just the same old it's fast just and the, furious. Right. Exactly. It's the same, it, you know, like we're show. family, we got to stick together because we're family, and, yeah. you know, whatever. But it's like you know, that's, and that's a new unique, I, I feel like it's maybe a unique problem to, uh, now. I mean, I, I know that I'm sure literary wise, like books, you know, you'd be like, wow, well, this is trite and. You know, it's been there, been there, done that with with themes and, and messages. But um, I feel like movies are entering sort of that new era where there's been so much and it's been so well tread. And it's been, you know, it's like as a medium itself, you're like, OK, well, that's a Back to the Future ripoff or that's a Jurassic Park ripoff or that's a, you know, whatever. And you're getting to that point now where maybe messages are you need a unique message, not just a message, sure. you know? Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, well, to, um, all, I was thinking, you know, when you were talking about Hobbs and Shaw having a message, right? It's sure. all, I almost appreciate something more that like just embraces the fact that it has no message. You know what I mean? Sure. Like it's almost, it's almost insulting my intelligence at this point to have nine fast and the furious movies where they're all going to tell me about family and it's this, I don't give a shit. Come up with something new or just don't do anything. But let's not pretend sure. that that's why we're here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, honestly, like. That may be my favorite quote about the Fast and Furious franchise. Come up with something new or just don't do anything. Right. I mean, you can do something. Just have cars race around and do dumb shit. But let's not do this family thing again. Now we're bringing characters back from the dead. I don't know what the fuck. Well, again, multiple characters back from the dead. 
Uh, yeah. Superpowers. Uh, I mean, yep. I don't know. I'm the black happening. Superman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I love you, Idris, but Jesus Christ, man, you, you were really, whoo, between that and cats, like what's going on, bro? Like, do you have some debts? Well, and it's funny because you think about um, uh, like the James Bond movies. Uh, I don't want to see say that they're the same thing as the Fast and the Furious movies, but there's similarities, right? There's there's car chases, whatever. You have recurring characters, but but almost every Bond movie, uh, they they all have the little like you know James Bond's a ladies man and he's a loner or whatever it is. But they all have like a very unique theme to them, and maybe they've recycled a few of them multiple times, but but they have a different feel to them. You know that they're about something new and there's been 20 something movies. You know what I mean? So. And that was, you were in like, a, that's a way different time too, because like James Bond was almost like, I don't want to say like a TV show, but it was almost like watching an episode of a TV show right. because the early ones, especially, excuse me. Um, the early ones, especially like there's very little connectivity, uh, but from movie to movie, um, usually. And, um, you know, it is. It's kind of like, oh, well, I like when he does this, so we got to do this. It's like they had a checklist. Like, you need these things to be a James Bond movie. Um, kind of like you're watching an episode of a show, you know, uh, or like a sitcom. I guess a sitcom would be the best example because sitcoms always everything, you know, wrapped up at the end. Everything's back to normal. Um, and a lot of the shows can be uh, maybe interchangeable, or at least they used to be back in like the, the 80s and 90s. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't know. That's, that's sort of where I'm at now is like, you know, um, like I, I think for me when I watch film, like since I did do, I, I went to school for it cause I really wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, and then I sort of realized how hard it is to become a filmmaker. Um, especially if you don't have other like-minded people who want to make films with you, if it's just kind of you going out on your own, that's a lot of work and that's a lot of responsibility. So when I look at movies, I always kind of look at it through that lens, but I think a lot of critics are kind of like that too. Like I, I don't want to like disparage critics, but I think there are a lot of them that wish that they were working in film but aren't, and they may take some of their vitriol. Like when they do a particularly vitriolic review, it might be like, I know I could make a better movie than that. How did this guy get this chance kind of thing? Which I think, sure, it's envious, but I think there's a little bit of validity in it in that we are given some really crappy entertainment and it should be called out for what it is. Sometimes it's, I mean, it's shocking how bad shit can be. You know what I mean? Like it is truly shocking. That someone greenlit this, wrote this script, somebody read it, somebody made it. Like it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. That's why uh, I hate. I hate being happy when like a uh, a film fails, uh, but mm. when it's really bad, offensively bad, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think it deserved to be made. I don't care. I don't care yeah. when they fail. When there's nothing yeah. creative there, um, I don't give a shit. You know, to me, to me, it's it's much more heartening when they fail because they're crappy and they're cookie cutter. 
because it, it's it's people speaking with their dollars. You know, right. it's it's you know, it's kind of like the the Republican idea of like let the free market do what it will. The well, free market know, decide. Yeah. You yeah. Know, well, you know, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then I also had to suffer through like four crappy Transformers it's movies true. or however, however many of them were actually like horrible. Yeah, but you didn't um, have to suffer. You no, I didn't. Saw it's, just it, right? soci- it's just that they kept making them and I was t- yes. upset yes. that they were making them. I, I wish um, they were making more. Well, maybe they are. I'm sure they are eventually, but I wish they were yeah, making eventually, more. Eventually, yep. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, we're going on an hour here. I mean, how, yeah, how, we can, we can, do you want to do shit? We watched. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do shit. We watched, uh, the, I watched, um, let's see here. Uh, I already talked about dead to me last time. So, um, a couple movies, I guess I can talk about. Uh, I watched a, a the exorcist three, uh, with, with, uh, uh, our boy Chucky in it. Um, and I'm going to actually cheat and look up the whole cast of the movie. Um, but actually pretty fucking good. William P- Peter Blatty wrote and directed this one. He was the writer of the exorcist, uh, the book. Um, and it's got, uh, George C. Scott, Brad Dourif, um, Scott Wilson of, uh, of, of, um, uh, walking dead fame. Um, yeah, it's, it's way better than I expected. Way better than I expected. George C. Scott is great. It does this interesting thing where, it's not anything like the original one. Uh, basically, the, the the one of the the, the priests um, and a, a cop from the first movie, um, they're friends, and there are these murders happening in town, and it's almost like a it's like a it's like a a, a police procedural type movie, mm-hmm. I would say, like a you know detective story. Really sure. good, Bradley Dourif, by the way. Like, God, he's really fucking good. And everything he's ever in, he's really good, man. I, I'd seen him in other stuff before I ever saw Chucky, and uh, I, I I actually like him. I think he's a character actor. Yes, um, I feel like I've, he he he's really good at sort of he's really really good at like a couple things. He's very good at being in, intense, and in this he's yes. like a he's like a serial killer guy who's who's you know chained up in a padded cell or whatever, and he gets real intense yeah. and scream, and he's just fucking great and it's funny because like uh george c scott is like one of these classic actors who every time you see him in something he's great but it's like you can tell he loves the smell of his own farts you know and i can i can just imagine him playing in these scenes with brad duroff being kind of upset that he's being upstaged because he is (laughs) honestly right right because it's yeah, it was really good, man. I was very, very impressed. I've never seen the second Exorcist. I hear it's terrible. But but yeah, I would recommend it. Uh, the only other thing, or I have two more things worth mentioning. I'll just go through them. I did watch Cannibal Holocaust for the first time, which... Cannibal disgusting. Holocaust. Yeah, it's like a, a cult classic um, a cannibalism movie. Um, okay. they, it's like one of those, everybody says it's like one of the most disgusting movies you'll ever see. Uh, and it is, you can tell like they killed real animals on set and shit. Like it's one of those where it's like, whoa, yeah, they yeah. killed real. Mm. Oh, for sure. It definitely is. PETA. I mean, it was made in, yeah, right. PETA. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, PETA must just fucking love this movie. But, uh, but yeah, it's gross, dude. It's, it's gross. 
Is it terrible? No, it's a hell of a lot better than like Green Inferno, which was Eli Roth's uh, cannibal movie from a few years ago. Way better than that. Um, It kind of has like a found footage thing going for it, which is it feels ahead of its time, I guess. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I I guess it was okay. I didn't think it was great. I I don't, it doesn't, you know, I'm not like lining up to see it again. It's fucking disgusting. Most people should never watch it. Um, and then the last one I watched was, uh, I watched a movie, uh, on Shudder, a Shudder original called Blood Quantum. Um, and this one was really neat. It was a Native American zombie movie where basically okay. it takes- I was going to say, I've been seeing ads for more things on Shudder recently. Well, this one takes place on like a, a reservation in like the eighties. Um, and essentially there's a, there's a zombie outbreak. They start to realize shit's going wrong, zombies, whatever. But the wrinkle is that the Native Americans are immune and the white man are all the zombies. So, like, uh, yeah, so, it's a flippity flip on the old. Uh, it was you know, it was actually pretty all those clever. horrible things. It was actually pretty clever. It was kind of a fun movie and it, and it got I real like bloody. It got real bloody and nasty. And, you know, I wanted to bring this up. I feel like we might be and maybe I'm just completely wrong, but I feel like like uh the walking dead being so generic kind of forced the zombie genre to like try and do some new stuff because i feel like there's some new shit going on with it there is something really uh really accurate about that because i know like scorsese has talked about i think it's course scorsese I'm, i'm pretty sure he was talking about like watching horrible movies and the reason he likes to is to find out what not to do uh, in your movie. And I think there are a lot of people who become a fan of a genre sure. and then they see like so many cookie cutter, bad things. And they're like, you know, what would be a better idea. And then they just come up with something off the top of their head and it's unique and it's different, but it's because they understand the genre so much that they understand where it hasn't gone yet. Right. And so I think, I do think it, everything is really cyclical, you know, like you yeah. have to have it become cookie cutter and boring for like new people to be like fuck this bullshit and then they make something new and great well and it's funny because it's not to say like i mean you watch like kingdom for example we've both watched kingdom um it's not to say everything in kingdom is wholly original right we've seen the running zombie that whole thing i mean we've seen it a million times but there's just there's something about it there's enough of a new wrinkle it's not necessarily about the same things that zombie shit is always about which is like Oh, uh, you know, zombies represent the subcon or the subconscious of, of humans and how, yep, or, you know, or consumer critique, right. Yes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something new. Exactly. So, so yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. It was really good, but that's, uh, that's that sounds I'm, awesome. That's all that, I've got. That sounds really cool. Um, I'd say the, so like you said, we, we recorded Saturday, so I really haven't had a whole lot of a chance to, to watch a whole lot. Sure. Uh, the one thing that I started, so I, I told you I was on an anime like search, uh, for, for something that can really sustain me. Um, I did finish that, uh, seven deadly sins still not a great anime, but it's got just enough that makes me not leave it. But to me, it's like a C C plus maybe, um, but I started this new one and this one, I just, I'm like, this has so much potential. I'm actually very excited. I'm only three episodes in, maybe, maybe I'm four now. I, I can't remember, but it's basically about this guy. He's a manga artist and, but he wants, well, he wants to be a manga artist. 
He's like 28, 29, not really getting anywhere in that field. He's a pizza delivery guy, lives alone, uh, uh, single, you know, uh, uh, only child. Uh, then his mom comes to stay with him for a little while. He's got this one thing, which is he occasionally will be able to go back in time about like 10, 15 seconds. Okay. Uh, I forget what he calls it exactly. Um, he has a term for it, but he's like, you know, ever since I can remember, I've had this little thing where, you know, I try and notice things because it, it's always when something is bad is going to happen. I like that. That's like the little feature they throw in when they like re-release Mega Man or something because it's so goddamn hard that no person today can fucking stand it. So like you have that, oh, I fell off the thing. Let me just hit this button and I'll go back 10 seconds, try it again. Yep. But yes, continue. Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm going to I'm going to spoil this a little bit. The thing that really got me was like they introduced his mom and like she sticks around I think for the first episode and the second episode. She gets murdered in the third episode. Or maybe it's the second episode. Um and the thing that really got me was like okay, cool, but now he's going to go back in time and stop her murder and then maybe the murderer will get away and she'll he'll try and figure that out. No, you find out like he was, he lived in a town when he grew up and, uh, there was like, so he and his mom are watching TV and they see that a kid's gotten kidnapped. Uh, so, uh, and she's like, do you remember this? This kind of happened around, you know, when you were like 12 or 13 and he's like, no, I don't remember it. And, uh, basically like, it's kind of like this sort of mystery of basically after his mom gets killed, he is shoved back into uh, his 12 year old body right before the girl gets killed. Sure. Um, and so now it's kind of like, okay, I have to save my mom. I have to save this girl that gets killed. I have to figure out who the real killer is. Cause we find out later that the guy that's actually in jail for it, not the real killer. So, uh, and they just did something in the last episode that I can't tell you what it is, but it reminded me of dark so much that, that I was just like, this it's it's called erased it's on hulu and it's not subtitled so you don't have to listen to anything um other things about the show the 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 color palette is very dark which i like um it fits the mood of like this sort of murder mystery i was gonna say this doesn't this doesn't sound like your typical anime that you're usually describing this sounds no this is this is great this it reminds me, uh, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's kind of like Death Note in that regard. Like it, it could have been live action. It's just that Japan loves animation, so they're just gonna make it animated. I like that. Um, I think that's kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. So so I like it. Just it's really great. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, I it has the potential to be a great show. I don't know if it'll be. It really just depends on the execution. These goddamn right animes. It's always like fifteen episodes in. That's where you. You lose it. That's the problem. Well, the, the thing that I'm excited about this is like, this seems like a mini series. Like this doesn't seem like something that's going to go on for 10 seasons. This okay. seems like this is maybe two, maybe three seasons at most. That's good. Right. I yeah. mean, I think we yeah. pretty much come to the conclusion that that's usually good. Yeah. So having an end goal in mind, I think is uh, always preferred. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so is that, uh, is that it for shit you watched? That's it. That's all I've watched. All right. So let's, uh, we, I mean, next episode is your last episode, episode 100 until you come back to guest, just so you can talk about dark season three in like a month. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, but yes, uh, we've got one more episode. We haven't discussed what we're going to do. Um, we should probably think of something exciting to do. I 
but we'll figure that out. You know, we don't plan anything on this show, clearly. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, anything else, uh, home, uh, for this episode, or, or is that about wrap it up? I think that's good. Perfect. Well, I have been Jackson. I've been home at the movies. And thank you all for tuning in.